Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, it would be the Chiefs and the 49ers in Super Bowl 54 in Miami. How did they get there? Well, the Chiefs beat the Titans 35-24. And then the Niners, with an easy win over the Packers, 37-20, in a game that wasn't that close. They had a huge lead by halftime and kind of cruised. We'll talk about the NFC and AFC championship games. And the Lightning, they went 11-2 on their 13-game, 21-day stretch. And then Friday night, of course, they beat Winnipeg 7-1, to Anthony Sorelli with his first hat trick. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, before we uh, get started, um, some other news that happened since the last time we were together. The Mets have uh, mutually agreed to part ways with Carlos Beltran. Of course, uh, he was a player on that Houston Astros World Series team. Never managed a game for the Mets, which is probably one of the better records that they have for managers but so you're um, saying he got out of his punishment <laughs> yeah right exactly that i thought that was his punishment you got to manage the mets but uh, you know so so far if you're keeping score at home that's three managers and a gm and we're still waiting uh, to see if there's any more fallout from the red sox investigation um it, it looks like and and i saw some players being interviewed jose altuve among them you know some of them are doing these um, sort of these tours, you know, um, preseason type bandwagon things. And, um, you know, of course, they're all denying uh, using buzzers or any kind of other. Uh, they really don't want to talk about it. You can't blame them. I just feel like, you know, Rob Manfred is, is up against it because uh, it took a lot of cooperation from players to actually find this out. And I, I just feel, and you and I have talked about this, it looks like that they almost have to give immunity to these guys because. How deep could this thing possibly go? I mean, you know, at some point, you would be suspending way too many players, I think. Yeah, if this thing is more prevalent than what we know at this point, which was the Astros and Red Sox, and and I Mm -hmm. tend to believe that there's more. Now, I don't know if anyone got to the level of sophistication that the Astros did in the way they had their setup and, and maybe for years were doing. But I tend to believe that as players move around, this is more prevalent than we think. So if you start suspending players, where does it stop? And at some point, how do you suspend a quarter of the game or half half the players? I mean, I don't know if that's a factor in it, but to me that seems like a real possibility. Yeah, no, I think it is too. And I, I think they're going to have to get on top of this technology, though, um, because that's going to continue to advance. And, uh, you know, maybe technology will be the way out, whether they, you know, in in the future, come up with a way to you know, actually communicate the pitcher's uh, you know signs or, or pitcher to catcher. Of course, it's hard to talk in front of the batter. It's not like you're on the sideline with an offensive coordinator or something talking to the quarterback. But uh, maybe that'll be their way out. But um, yeah, this is a you know, and and when you see these players and they you know, it's very hard for them to answer these questions like Altuve and others. I'll tell you what, you could have some different opinions about some guys depending on how they play. There's a lot of pressure on these guys this year. And I think they're, you know, obviously Houston has a lot of talent and some really good baseball players. But don't get off to a, you know, a 5-15 and 15 start. 
you know, best thing they can do is go 20 and five or something like that and show that they're still a good ball club. And well, don't maybe, start batting, you know, 150 points below your home career batting. Average. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, you better hit at home and not, not just, or, you know, better hit it on the road and at home um, and not have your batting average plummet by that much. And so, um, you know, it could do funny things. And I think the pressure is going to be there regardless uh, of whether, you know, we, we can really quantify how much they benefited. Clearly they did. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, the, the Houston franchise is, is taking a real beating. I mean, there is, you know, a lot of uh, the way social media is these days. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they're received in other cities. Um, you know, the Houston asterisks and everything that's sort of, you know, the signs that are disappearing partially from people's, you know, billboards and, hey, Houston Astros took my, stole my signs and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's funny for now, but uh, at some point you really hurt your brand down there. And that was a, that's a prideful bunch of guys and a prideful baseball team. So maybe it becomes a rallying cry for them. You know, it could go the other way too. I don't think the New England Patriots or Tom Brady uh, let up on the gas after he was suspended four games um right for supposedly deflating footballs and then they went out there and just absolutely obliterated every obliterated everybody when he got back and won a super bowl so um you know it can serve that way too but um yeah i don't i don't know there'll be any punishments for any players or any deeper investigation maybe into the red Sox or um like i said the mets you just mentioned you know beltran wasn't even there yet um but these guys lives have changed that's for sure they're they're your job in baseball has changed. Uh, and now there's a bunch of managerial jobs open. I saw where Buck Showalter and Dusty Baker interviewed in Houston. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see if they uh, go outside. And Showalter would be a great a great hire for them, I think, uh, in that situation. Speaking of the Mets, how about their employee, Jessica Mendoza? Oh, I was so disappointed in that. Um, and, and I tweeted it out, too, and a lot of people did. She came back with a, with a clarification. If you didn't see it, she was on Mike and Mike talking about Mike Fires being the one uh, to be the whistleblower. And, you know, Mike, of course, benefited from it uh, because he played for the Houston Astros until he was uh, sent to Oakland. And, and he's the one who, who pretty much outed the whole, the whole scheme, if you will. And the thing that Jessica Mendoza said didn't make any sense for me. Now, you know, first of all, I have a problem with the fact that she works for ESPN but also is employed by the New York Mets. If I were another ball club and she came into town and wanted to sit down and talk to me before her broadcast, I wouldn't let her in the room. I mean, she's an employee of, a, of another rival baseball team. That aside, I'm not sure how that works. But on top of that, um, you know, she basically said, look, uh, I hate the way this came out. Um, he should have handled it with internally within baseball. He shouldn't have come out and said it publicly. Uh, it could have been handled in channels. Um, more or less, you know, he broke the code, right? Um, he, he, he outed people publicly, uh, and she'd have preferred it stay within the unit, if you will. Uh, and that's like the worst take ever. I mean, you either support a clean, a clean game. She had to clarify and say, no, 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 I'm not saying I'm for cheating, but you kind of are saying that in a way you're kind of saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's not, uh, you know, let's follow the code here. And the only code that, that I would be concerned with is the one that allows these guys to continue to do this and, and and it probably i mean without mike fires doing it who does come forward you know what i mean it was maybe in a matter of time somebody would grow a conscience um but this had gone on long enough and it was just it just seemed like such a bad take by her i think it is but the one thing i will say about mike fires is you didn't 
blow the whistle when you were benefiting from it winning a World Series. That is true. You waited until the Astros beat you mm-hmm. to to say it. Now, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have come out when he did and, and say it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes whistleblowers get bad bad raps at times and and in that, mm-hmm. but. He's not he's not the complete hero in this in that no. he could have come forward when it was happening if he mm-hmm. truly wanted the game to be equal, clean, fair, however you want to clarify it. That's true. Now, I'm glad he came forward and I'm glad that baseball's cleaning up the game or yeah. trying to. We'll see if they actually are successful at it. But mm-hmm. you know, and, and her take was bad and, and if she meant it in that way, okay, yeah, I can see that. But that's not the way it came off, and I don't think that's the way she meant it, but it was it was a bad take, and maybe she it didn't come off the way she quite wanted it to. But I think it was, you know, the old few good men. You know, yeah. Don't don't rat outside the unit. Exactly, honor God core unit. What was that? Honor God core. Unit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, she had no code. She had no honor, and God was watching. Um, <laughs> but in any any result, I mean, I'm just glad that it, that, that baseball. This has been one of the worst scandals that they've ever had, clearly. I mean, you know, we went, we lived through the steroid era. I wasn't around for the Black Sox scandal, although I can't imagine throwing a World Series. Uh, so that was bad. Um, but, you know, um, this, this, was, this, was, this is big. And, and baseball has enough problems without, you know, people wondering what they're watching and the integrity of the game and, uh, you know, taking using technology uh, – to, to steal signs in real time and all of that. So uh, they're going to have to get a handle on this, but it looks like uh, it was pretty widespread, and we don't know how many teams this really – and that's the thing I'd like to know is just, you know, what, was it just Houston? Did they take it to the Red Sox? Did other teams do this? Um, just how prevalent was it? And I and like I said, there's some and damage. And I hope baseball from, comes clean with that. I do too. Because do too. Part, of me, part of me thinks that baseball – and part of not penalizing the players, and I think there's many reasons, but mm-hmm. that if if they don't punish any players, then after the Red Sox investigation, they hope, assuming that there's more, they hope that nothing else comes out publicly. That's right. And they can move on from it from there. It's, it's, I, and I hope baseball, if they do find that it, it's expanded to more teams, that they do come clean with it. Yeah. No, they're – they're going to have to, and and uh, this, like I said, this is an ugly chapter. It's 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 going to be a season of uh, of it being revisited every time the Astros play. Certainly, the Dodger fans are, are going to be up in arms. They they want them to vacate the trophy or hand it to L.A. I mean, uh, that's the not going to occur. The Yankees are doing the same thing. They lost to yeah. both teams the last yeah. two postseasons. Yeah. The Rays yeah. lost to the Astros this postseason. I know, and so you know all of that. All these teams have beef, as do the pitchers that went to arbitration and their ERAs were beaten up. I mean. There's some real damages that you could prove even as a player here, but um, you know, time will tell just uh, uh, you know, how, how deep of a scar this is going to leave, but I think it's better than not that, that at least it was revealed, and, and uh, I don't care how Mike Fires did it. it you know, if he didn't handle it within the team, who would have come forward unless, unless somebody made it public? So uh, I'm not even sure baseball would have. I don't, I don't know what, they, what their reaction would have been to it. At any rate, uh, we got lots to talk about in the NFL. Uh, of course, uh, it was Championship Sunday, and you had the NFC and the AFC. The first game, of course, was the AFC Championship, Tennessee at the Chiefs. And, um, you know, this game was interesting because it sort of felt a little bit like a week ago in that mm-hmm. the Titans came out and jumped to a 10 to nothing lead, and it was impressive. I mean, they went down the field, the first possession, scored a touchdown, um, you know, came, came back and um, – uh, well, actually kicked the field goal, then came back and scored a touchdown. So 
uh, you know, they jump out to a 10 nothing league. And then Patrick Mahomes did what he did. He's just incredible. Um, he's the best quarterback. I mean, we, we, we look at these guys and we, we see Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, obviously – uh, Lamar Jackson had an unbelievable year. Probably will be named the most valuable player because it's voted on before the playoffs. But if there's a better quarterback right now in the game, that the way he's playing than Patrick Mahomes, I don't know who it is. I think he's going to be the standard now. He's made it to two championship games in two years. Of course, they lost a year ago to the Patriots, um, you know, who went on and won the Super Bowl. Uh, but, uh, you know, he after falling behind 24 to nothing a week ago, um, this time he wipes out, you know, a 10 to nothing uh, deficit like like it was a hiccup and, um, you know, has three straight drives for touchdowns to close out the half. And by that time they were leading 21-17 and then they just kind of cruised. Um, you know, Kansas City was down 10 to nothing. They're down 17 to 7. He ends up with 342 yards of offense, um, you know, compared to about 39 yards or so. Um uh, you know, until it got to be garbage time there in the uh, in the final quarter. So their defense, I think the thing that people miss about Kansas City, too, is their defense is very, very good. If you look at a year ago, the reason they didn't get to the to the Super Bowl was just that, right? And they have come back now and put together this defense that has given up almost, I don't know, 80, 80 75, 80 points less than they did a year ago. And uh, they're a force. Now, what we also saw in this game, Steve, is, you know, can't, I mean, we'll talk about both these games, but obviously Tennessee was going to run the ball with Derrick Henry. He ended up with 69 yards. Um, he had some good runs, but they had to abandon uh, the running game maybe a little too soon because they got behind uh, in the fourth quarter, which is what happens. But for all the great things that we've said about, you know, it can be said about Ryan Tannehill and the job he did when he took over, you know, obviously for Marcus Mariota and, and put them on this run, you have to ask yourself, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? I mean, he's going to be a free agent. I would expect that John Robinson in Tennessee is going to want to re-sign him. But there were, there were plays to be made out there that he just couldn't make. Now, some of it was Kansas City's defense and the, and the defensive line getting after him. But, uh, but, but, but that's the question that every team has to ask itself, right? I mean, here they were 2-4. and four. They were a bad football team. You know, Mike Vrabel said it. He makes the switch. And then, you know, he uh, – you know he goes to, you know he goes to Tanny Hill, um, who who does a great job, and and they find their identity, and they go ten and six, and then they go on the road. I mean, look, you go on the road, and and beat New England and slay that dragon. You go to Baltimore and win that game. Now you have to go to Kansas City, which is one of the hardest places to play against a better football team. That's a lot, right? That's that's a that's a tough way to get to the Super Bowl. But having said that, and I think that you know the Bucks are sort of wrestling with this is that. Can you win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? I was just you know, going to say that's the same question Jason Light and Bruce Arians are asking yes, about James. It Lewis. really is because if you look, okay, so the standard now, let's say, all right, just look at the teams that were in these games, um, and and really San Francisco, which is a dominant defense um, to the point that we haven't seen in some time, they got it done almost exclusively on the ground. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to throw the ball but seven times is like like it's nineteen forty or something again. But we can get into that. But, you know, do you need that guy who can, who can score the way Patrick Mahomes scores, that can make plays down the field, that um, can do all those things? And, and I don't think that's ever going to be Ryan Tannehill. You know, there are, there are quarterbacks in this league, Kirk Cousins among them, that are going to 
you know, play good football, play mistake-free football, get you into the playoffs, maybe consistently. And then the theory is if you're there enough, you know, um, you're going to break through one year and get a home field advantage and maybe you win. And that could be true with Tennessee, too, if they re-sign Tannehill, which I suspect they'll try. But is he enough, you know what I mean, against the dynamic quarterbacks in this league? Um, and, you know, look, I'll watch Aaron Rodgers fall. You know, we'll talk about that game in a minute. But um, And Garoppolo didn't have to do anything. But it's rare. It's it's rare to, to, to get to a Super Bowl um, when, you, when you consider the kind of quarterbacks that win these games. And I think that that is, you know, that game sort of showed that. I mean, that game was sort of like, hmm, okay, so – you know, Robinson did the right thing and had competition for Mariota when he faltered. And Tannehill had played before, and he's a first-round pick. And he did some great things, but he just wasn't dynamic enough, you know. Uh, and so Kansas City, though, I, I tell you what, when you look at their weapons, I mean, Tyreek Hill, um, you know, Demarcus Robinson, I mean, you know, Sammy Watkins had a deep uh, touchdown as well. Uh, they've, they've got a lot. A lot of weapons, and the biggest one, of course, is Mahomes, who can do it. Not, I, I think it, it feels like five minutes ago the guy blew out his knee, didn't he? Weren't they afraid that he wasn't going to play again? And you know, he he managed to come back uh, with whatever leg injury that he had, and and he made a run. I mean, first of all, he led the Chiefs with fifty three yards rushing, but his touchdown run was unbelievable. And you know, you watch all that this guy can do, and he doesn't really normally run for yards to try to make yards he'll slide down he'll extend plays and, and and he's really kind of a kind of a thrower on the run um but if he needs to he can gain some yards and man I, I'm, I'm happy for Andy Reid but um if you're gonna if you're gonna win a Super Bowl I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna be who we're talking about for the next 10 years yeah I mean you know there's Aaron Rodgers there's Tom Brady there's Drew Brees you know you name your other quarterbacks but you know, Mahomes is the quarterback of the future in the NFL at this point. And, and there's some, I mean, Russell Wilson's still one of the better ones. And he's Wilson still can still do it. And Deshaun Watson will have, will certainly yep. have his, you know, his, his days. And, and he got to the playoffs and, you know, I think he's, he's a dynamic player too. Lamar Jackson, obviously. I mean, there's a number of these guys. I don't know who will be the rival to Mahomes, you know, the way it was with Brady and Manning and those guys. There'll be somebody though. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, I don't well, know if anybody's beating that guy. You know, you'd like to say think it's Sean Watson at least going to be the rival to Mahomes simply because they're both in the AFC. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't play the Seahawks as much with Russell Wilson. Or, That's right. Uh, you know, so but but is there a better quarterback to watch at this point? No, I mean, it's more fun no. to watch if you have no rooting interest. You know, if yeah. obviously if you're the Titans today, you didn't want to see Mahomes. But otherwise, is there mm-hmm. a better quarterback in offense watching football than the Chiefs? No, there is there isn't, and 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 you know. Andy Reid such a good does such a good job with the design of that offense, and it just puts so much pressure on you. Happy for for Andy Reid going back uh, to a Super Bowl. Of course, he hasn't won one. He was there one other time with the Philadelphia Eagles when they lost to the New England Patriots, and that was a hundred years ago with Donovan McNabb. And um, you know, after the Bucks, of course, had had beaten them one year in the championship game, but. Uh, uh, this will be big. This will be, you know, first time in 50 years. I mean, that's they were there in Super Bowl one when they, you know, yeah. when they beat the uh, the Green Bay Packers, and we almost had the anniversary of that, uh, you know, again in Miami. Uh, but the 49ers took care of that business. And how about how Clark about Hunt the, receiving the trophy with his father? It was name. so cool. I was just going to say that was, that was really something to to uh, see the the you know 
the trophy come back to Kansas City, named after Lamar Hunt, his dad, of course, who uh, was you know in the AFL and presided over over that merger uh, between the the AFL and the NFL, and uh, of course Super Bowl one. You remember remember that uh, if you're a certain age or you've seen tapes of it with you know Len Dawson and um, yeah, you can you age know, yourself. I'm not that old. Well, no, I I don't remember it. I mean, I clearly do, I know the game was played. I was yes, yes. I wasn't watching or anything, but you've probably seen the NFL films, you know, of uh of uh Len Dawson and of course uh, Hank Stram on the sidelines and Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr and all that. Um, you know, there's some great pictures, man, of Len Dawson at the halftime of that game. <laughs> Uh, smoking a heater in the locker room, and I think he was drinking a Fresca or something like that, <laughs> or a beer, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, the game was a little different back then for the Super Bowl uh, than it's going to be in Miami for Super Bowl 54. The the San Francisco 49ers, man, uh, I, I was kind of thinking that uh, they they might run into a little bit of a problem here just because, you know, they they had beaten Green Bay so handily earlier in the season, and it's very difficult to do that twice. Uh, you figured Green Bay had felt them on the grass now. They had a little bit of an idea of what they were running into. Uh, the game was in San Francisco, which wasn't going to help their offense uh, for the Packers. Um, but you talk about total domination, and on both sides of the ball, look, if you want to see how to build a football team, call up John Lynch, who, by the way, since we last talked, has been named the executive of the year by the Pro Football Writers of Association in his third season as GM. He has this team on both sides of the ball at the defensive and offensive line. They are simply dominant. Those guys move people off the line of scrimmage on offense. Raheem uh, Mostert ran for 220 yards and four four touchdowns. This is second most in postseason history um, since uh, Eric Dickerson. And, I mean... And when you get, you know, everybody came into this thinking, hmm, Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo. I wonder, I wonder how Garoppolo will react to having, you know, such a big stage, and uh, you know, will be able to make plays. He's going to be able to carry them. Uh, is he a guy, you know, that's going to be dynamic? And he only had to, he only had to attempt seven passes. And what I like about him is it didn't seem to bother the guy at all. I mean, he just he's all about winning. I think they said his record was twenty and five uh, in his career as a starter going into this game. And, um, you know, when he had to make a throw, he made a throw. But basically, they just turned and handed the ball off. And when you can do that to another team, there is nothing, nothing more demoralizing in this world to a professional athlete than to say, here it comes, we're going to run it down your throat, and then you keep doing it over and over and over again. And, um, boy, this is, a, this is a good football team that John Lynch uh, has, has built. And then, of course, Kyle Shanahan is coaching. There was a there was a moment in this game though. I was thinking, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan has uh, got a pretty comfortable lead here. I wonder if he's thinking about that Super Bowl when they were up twenty eight to three as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. I'm sure that's going to come up in Miami when they get there. But um, you know, I mean, the last six quarters of football, Jimmy Garoppolo has only attempted fourteen passes. That's unbelievable. I mean, what is this nineteen forty seven? It, this playoffs has been weird that there's been yes, so much man. good running yeah. in these playoffs. Yeah. You know, and, and Baltimore didn't really get to show it because they got behind. That's right. Their offense. And of course that centers on the quarterback first, but Derek mm-hmm. Henry and what San Francisco's doing. And it's kind of, I mean, John Lynch built this team and I've said it for years. If you're going to build a football team, there's three positions I pay money to mm-hmm. quarterback, offensive mm-hmm. line, defensive line, mm-hmm. and figure out the rest from there. 
If you could dominate the line of scrimmage and you have a good quarterback, you can win. Give me whatever other pieces you want to put around. Yeah. And, and John Lynch has built, you know, like you said, both sides of the ball are dominant on the line. And Garoppolo is making the throws when he needs to. And that's what you want your quarterback to do. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't seem overwhelmed. I mean, I actually think, you know, maybe unlike Tannehill, who might not be prepared to mm-hmm. carry his team with his arm, I think Garoppolo can. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't had to do it during this, these playoffs, but he's done it in games before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Green Bay was was just stuffed by this defense. And, of course, they're a handful for anybody. That defensive front is is second to none. And that's, you know, part of that is – uh, they were able to draft Nick Bosa. You know, I mean, when Garoppolo had his ACL, they went they went four and twelve last year, and so from four and twelve to the Super Bowl is hard to do in any era. Um, but getting Garoppolo back obviously was was the big one, and um, you know, and they've they've got some weapons on offense. Obviously, George Kittle uh, is a big part of that. But he had just I mean, he had just one catch for nineteen yards. I mean, they literally had to just turn and hand the ball off and then play defense, and they got after Aaron Rodgers who. Looked like he never had a chance. I don't think I've seen Rodgers as frustrated. I mean, it had to be like, here we go again, right? And he had a couple of interceptions. The last one, sort of a Hail Mary to Richard Sherman. Um, but for the most part, they they couldn't do anything. I mean, they, they were dominated in time of possession. Um, you know, through the first 20 minutes, almost 21 minutes, they gained just 46 yards of offense. I mean, that's incredible, you know, for them to be, um, you know, that – that far behind. I mean, they were outgained, what, 225 to 93 at one point. They were over four and third down. Um, they turned the ball over twice in the first half. This game was just completely out of hand. It was 34 to seven, you know, at one point. And, um, and of course, San Francisco cruises and is now headed to Miami um, to play Kansas City in a game which there'll be a lot of good storylines uh, for this game. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, for Tampa fans, we we can talk to John Lynch about his decision and when he made it uh, to come out of the broadcast booth and and of course take over that team as their general manager with Shanahan that he that he more or less cold called when Shanahan was getting the job from the Forty ers and that was public. Um, they were going to pair him with a general manager to be hired later, and he called Kyle and said, uh, you know, hey, what about me? <laughs> and so Kyle was like, are you serious? And he was. And they, of course, knew each other from the Bucks. I mean, I don't know if people remember that Kyle Shanahan sort of started his coaching career in Tampa Bay, like so many do. Uh, and he was, you know, best friends with Chris Sims at the time. As a matter of fact, John Gruden gave him his start. And uh, Lynch was still here as a player. And, um, you know, those guys have, have certainly, you know, followed each other. Uh, it was cool to see Mike Shanahan, who used to, you know, be a coordinator for the 49ers, of course, was there and presented – uh, the NFC Championship Trophy to his son, and uh, so there's a lot of a lot of great uh, sort of Tampa um, roots. You know, saw John and his and his family, Linda, of course, his wife, and Martin Mayhew, who was you know former Bucks defensive back, former general manager of the Lions. He's the assistant GM out there in San Francisco. He was on the podium, so um, we'll have a lot to talk about when we get to Miami. Um, and you know, just, just how this, this, this whole team has come together. And of course, San Francisco has a chance to, uh, you know, to win their, their sixth Super Bowl. They won five under Eddie DeBarlow. They've been back, you know, since, of course, they lost to the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, you know, under Jim Harbaugh. But when you consider, you know, the coaching legacies, uh, and just that, that, that franchise with a chance to, uh, 
you know, to really make some history. And I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, this this to me reminds me a little bit. Now, these I don't know where the rankings came out, actually, because I don't think the Chiefs were number one, but they were up there in offense. But this is the quintessential class of styles, right? You have a team that is driven largely by their explosive offense against a team that, you know, clearly uh, goes the way of its defense. And in the past, including the Bucks Super Bowl in 2002, when it was the number one offense in the Raiders against the number one off defense of the Buccaneers, you know, Tampa Bay just flattened them. Now, there was a lot of reasons for that because I think, you know, what, what, what more do you want? You had the head coach that would, had just gotten traded from Oakland and was so familiar with their personnel um, that he could literally mimic Rich Gannon in the huddle. But, um, but I think, you know, th- this, is a, uh, this is one where, you know, defense could dominate on San Francisco's side in the running game, but I still think Garoppolo is going to have to make plays, enough plays uh, to match what Mahomes is going to do. I don't think they shut out the Kansas City Chiefs. And we got a lot of time, two weeks, to talk about this game. Uh, I'll be down in Miami, as a matter of fact, uh, in about a week or so. But um, this, this, one's, this one's interesting because uh, I, I really don't even know. I guess we could look at Las Vegas and who's going to be favored. My guess is that Kansas City might be favored in this game. Well, San Francisco had the best record in football this year. They did. In Baltimore, so they were the top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the focus is going to be on Mahomes versus San Francisco defense, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. I mean, the Kansas City offense, I don't think it finished number one, but then Mahomes missed some time too. Yeah. If you take that out, it may look a little different. Sure. And San Francisco's defense is dominant. Mm-hmm. But I think this game is really going to come down to what can San Francisco's offense do against Kansas City's defense, which is important. Yeah, yeah it has. Is, you know – can Jimmy Garoppolo make play, enough plays in the Super Bowl? I, I don't think mm-hmm. he's got to win it necessarily and, and carry the team on his back because I think his defense is good enough. But right, you know, can he make the throws when needed and the plays when needed? And and you know, because Kansas City's defense, as we talked talked about earlier, I mean, it's much improved from last year and what you think of with the Kansas City defense. That's right. They they put an emphasis on it in the off season and, and became a lot better. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's offense is good. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, particularly in George Kittle in the tight end position, but the receivers still aren't, aren't, I wouldn't put them, you know, top of the NFL type receivers. But so the question is, is how do, how does Jimmy Garoppolo handle the Kansas city defense? And I think that's the real key to the matchup. Yeah. They had a bad injury. Um, San Francisco did Tevin Coleman. Looks like he, he um, Mm -hmm. hurt his shoulder. uh, It looks, uh, I thought it was a broken arm, but maybe it was his shoulder. So he's got a couple of weeks. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back. Um, but this this Mostert, who was not even drafted, I mean, this guy came mm-hmm. out of nowhere, uh, and he's he's a big physical back and very fast. And and um, for him to have the kind of game that he has, you know, they utilize a fullback, which is you know something you never see in football anymore, to help blow open some of those holes, and then that that makes the play action game go. So when Garoppolo does goes to throw, he's usually got some open receivers. They do a nice job of designing plays to get guys some separation so um you know shanahan is a is a really good call, play caller uh the reason why they <laughs> they asked him is that you know you only had to throw the ball seven times why was that And he goes well because when it's working you just stick stick with it and they they did they just imposed their will um all day long on uh on green bay which had a great season but you wonder now how many times aaron Rodgers is going to get a chance to get back to this moment and you know will he need to get home field advantage one year 
and they came close to doing that this year. Well, we have to you know play in Green Bay one of these games to get back to the Super Bowl um, because, as he said after the game, he goes, "Look, um, you know most of my years are behind me. I got a lot more behind me than I have left." It's really, and you know we've, we've talked about it earlier in the playoffs. Tom Brady, Drew Brees eliminated mm-hmm. early. Aaron Rodgers eliminated. You wonder how many times all these guys are coming back, and it's it's. You know, you see the Deshaun Watsons and the Patrick Mahomes and the Russell Wilsons, and mm-hmm. is it really kind of the changing of the guard happening right now in the NFL as far as the quarterback position? I mean, you know, from Brady to the Manning, the Breeze to Rodgers, and, you know, there's a few other quarterbacks in there too, but it's really been, you know, a whole generation. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is probably in that group too, yeah. watching these quarterbacks, and, and it's starting to, to turn to the other ones now. And, and as quarterbacks are playing longer than ever before, though, but these guys now maybe these may be the final times they're in the playoffs or pretty. It soon. could be, and, and Aaron is still not as young as Drew Brees, and but I mean, you just mm-hmm. look at the the list of free agents, um, you know, with starting with Tom Brady, and no one knows. By the way, I don't know if you caught this, but um, apparently uh, Brady went to that. He went to fight. UFC in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and so he was. He was photographed talking to Mark Davis, of course, as the uh, the soon to be mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders owner. Oh boy, <laughs> were they was a rumor mill popping, and some people were like, yeah, hey, don't hey, don't rule this out. This thing might have some legs. I promise you, it has legs. I oh, promise John Gruden you. and Tom Brady, oh, of my, course. Oh, knowing knowing John as I do, and of course, he's always got the wandering eye, and 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 he is a, a football historian. Let's put it that way. Um, the first thing he'll tell you is, yeah, I tell you what, man, you seen the back of this guy's football card, man. And and you know that it, any any hint of or suggestion that Tom Brady may actually consider, even consider playing somewhere other than New England. I tell you what, man, we got to get this Tom Brady guy, man. How do we get him in Las Vegas, man? I know I can win a Super Bowl with this guy. And, and he believes it. And there's got to be a way <laughs> that – he will go all in, and he'll beat up everybody in that organization until they get their hands on Tom Brady. I don't know how Giselle feels about Las Vegas. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she wants out of New England, um, but it seems to me that that's where he would go back again next year is back to the Patriots, although they've sold their house and all of that. But, boy, what a, what a juxtaposition. And of course, how, will Raider fan ever, ever accept him or forgive him for the tuck rule game and you know, all the things that happened back in the day. Wasn't he his brings them a Super Bowl, they will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and besides which, it's not the Oakland Raiders. It's a new franchise. It's yeah, the Las yeah. Vegas Raiders. Hey, speaking so the of Las... moving, Phillip Rivers moved to Florida. Is he going to be the Bucks quarterback next year? I saw that. Yeah. Um, don't know. Uh, I don't know where he is in Florida. Was he in Jupiter? Like, where? Do we know where he moved in Florida or just I Florida? Didn't see, I didn't see where. I just saw the head behind him. Uh, well, you know, Florida, I mean, so. even, though the, even though his football team moved to Los Angeles, he was still getting in a limo every day and driving up the highway and – had a driver take him, you know, from San Diego. He never moved from there. So uh, wherever he is, I'm sure he can catch an Uber or a limo or somewhere and, and make it to one buck place. A lot of speculation about that. I mean, you know, Jacksonville could – obviously Miami needs a quarterback. Um, he said he wanted to be closer to home, which I assume is North Carolina or is somewhere in the Carolinas. Um, of course, the NC, NC State guy. But, look, I mean, he's going to play someplace. Somebody's going to hire this guy. Somebody's going to hire – um, you know, all these quarterbacks. And there's a lot of free agents going to be musical chairs. You know, depending on the day, you hear, oh, Jameis is going to sign a big extension or Jameis wants $30 million or they, they don't want Jameis back. And, you know, I mean, it, it just sort of 
it's just sort of the silly season right now. I think the first thing that happens with the Bucks is they've got to find a way to sign Shaq Barrett. And until they do, and my guess is they will, I think the next time we see the GM or the head coach, it'll be at a press conference announcing that they have uh, locked up Shaq Barrett. But that could be uh, just before the start of free agency or uh, it could be tomorrow, you know, and I don't know that it is tomorrow, but um, but that's my point. And so Barrett's going to be over at the Pro Bowl. That starts this week on Wednesday. They have their first practices. I'm going to be over there, hopefully talk to him and some others about the Buccaneers. Um, you know, so uh, that's coming up. And then, of course, uh, we are just two weeks away from Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Uh, it's a good matchup. It's these These are quality teams. These are teams that, um, you know, Obviously, Kansas City was in the AFC Championship a year ago. San Francisco, after the injury to Garoppolo, with the run that they've had. I mean, it, it's been, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure, Quan Alexander, who was on this football team, has come back from the pectoral injury. He's not a starter anymore, but he does play. He is kind of mixing in there. Um, you know, of course, Lynch. And uh, it, it'll just be it'll be a fun Super Bowl with, uh, you know, because – Quite frankly, New England's not in it. <laughs> I think people were just <laughs> just tired of Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick. And, um, you know, Andy is a great quote, and he'll have fun at the press conferences, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. And, um, you know, Kyle is a, is a good guy to talk to. But, again, you know, this is very early, but if you go with your confidence picks, as I do, coach quarterback, okay, who you like, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Or Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Hmm. Uh, in that matchup, I take the Chiefs. Yeah, right? Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Now, now, if I told you that Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl, though, for that matter, neither is Kyle Shanahan. Um, maybe, maybe that curse, you know, sort of that stigma is on him. And then, but then, of course, you know, Shanahan has uh, right now at least the best defense going in. in well, still the last defense alive, but has the best defense going in football. And and let me tell you, those guys. You know, they remind me a lot of, of the old Bucks defense in this sense. They play so fast, so fast, that, they, that, that you, they completely overwhelm you. It doesn't matter what you do. You can, you can spread them out. You can try to run downhill. You can, you know, run bootlegs and waggles and do all this motion crap. They don't care. You know why? Because they're coming off the ball, and they're coming off the ball with four guys, and those four guys are going to win every single time. And it's unbel- it's fun to watch, and it's unbelievable just how fast they are and how they cover each other's backside. Those linebackers are flying. You got you know uh, Richard Sherman on the outside, who's still an effective uh, cornerback, who you know thinks everybody now disrespects him. I'm not sure where that got started, um, but they're just really, really good, and they're so they're so confident in what they're doing, and they play they play with such such speed and passion that they just overwhelm you. You know, you might make a play here or there. Um, but they're going to get home. I mean, they're, they're absolutely going to create havoc for you and, uh, and usually a couple turnovers too. So that'll be fun to watch down there. I'm looking forward to this. Speaking Super Bowl. of, this is, speaking this of nice. that old Bucks defense, mm-hmm. Sunday was 17 years ago that Rondé returned the pick. God, isn't that unbelievable? Where's the time go, man? It's hard to believe. And which Rondé's means, on the outside looking. we're one week away from 17 years ago of them winning the Super Bowl in the Bucks' last playoff game. And the last time they won a playoff game, yeah, and and that's a shame too because, I mean, the fans, the fans, um, you know, are the ones that have had to suffer, and uh, uh, you know, twelve years without even being in the playoffs. I mean, think about, you know, Tennessee right now. I mean, there, there's nothing. Believe me, there's nothing worse than losing that game. I can remember, 
um, you know, how those guys felt when they lost in St. Louis in 99 with Tony Dungy. And that, that obviously was a great defense and a really bad offense. And remember the Bert Emanuel catch rule and all of that. I mean, Sean King was in his rookie year trying to get that team to a Super Bowl, okay? Uh, and they damn near did it. They were leading 6-5 to five with 4 minutes and 44 seconds to go until Ricky Prohl caught a touchdown pass. Um, and, and But, the, the, you know, first of all, the season ends so abruptly. Like, you're not prepared for, well, that's it. Everybody goes home. Um, but when, you're, when you get that far and you're one game from the Super Bowl and you lose that championship game, that's hard. Only thing harder is when you lose the Super Bowl. Because, <laughs> brother, you, I remember Rich McKay in 02. Um, we were in San Diego, and that was the year that they had no week in between. So it was literally flying from the frozen north of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. flying back to Tampa. And on the same day they landed in Tampa, getting on a plane and going out to San Diego, uh, and they played the next, the next Sunday. And I can just remember meeting with Rich that, that Wednesday, and he goes, listen, he goes, when you get here, you have to win this game. You can't get here and lose it. You just, you know, you'll be watching those commercials with the hats and the T-shirts all week long, you know, or for the next six months, Sports Illustrated, hey, get your Super Bowl hats and T-shirts from Name the Winner. Um, and they were so focused on on trying to get that. And um, that's that's the way it is for these two teams is, you know, no one's going to be happy. Uh, there's only one team that's happy every year. And, uh, uh, you know, these two teams haven't won a Super Bowl in a very long time. Obviously, Kansas City's been 50 years since they've been there. Um, but San Francisco, too, is trying to, you know, get back to the top and, um, you know, fulfill sort of what their legacy had been for years and years with the uh, with the five that they already have. So, uh, you know, their last attempt with Jim Harbaugh uh, fell a little short against the Ravens. And, uh, you know, and then the Ravens haven't been back. But now it looked like maybe maybe they're coming on uh, and they could have, have a couple trips or a couple chances too. So should be fun. Enjoyed the games on Sunday. Uh, they went, I mean, I think we both said that Kansas City and San Francisco would win. I can't remember if we mm-hmm. picked any upsets, but... Um, no, we I said that thought, the most likely was Green Bay upsetting San Francisco. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, we yeah. both thought it was San Francisco, Kansas City. Yeah, and for a while, like on Sunday, I was... I was kind of thinking that maybe maybe the titans uh would su- surprise some people with their power running the ball and they, they went down the field a couple times and did a nice job scoring and getting ahead but then you see mahomes and boy he's a good quarterback and i'm telling you we're gonna have more discussions about Jameis winston and just that very thing while while we were away the latest guy to weigh in and and he as he said i'm part of the story now is steve young i don't know if you saw what he had to say but basically uh, Young said, look, I, I was, you know, he, of course, was the first pick in the draft in 84 and played two years here in 85 and 86 in the supplemental draft, um, you know, coming from the USFL in the LA Express. And, and, and they, they traded him. They traded him to San Francisco. And we know the rest is history because, but look, I was part of that. And then, you know, then there's the there's also Doug Williams and then there's Trent Dilfer and all of us won Super Bowl somewhere else. And he said, I absolutely uh, think that the Bucks would be nuts. He said they'd be nuts to trade Jameis Winston uh, or to to not re-sign him, I should say. Um, he says because it just feels like that's what they've been doing, right? That that, that just seems like what, what that franchise has done. And that, you know, he, he, had, he had a phrase, and I, I'm probably going to misquote him, but he said, um, you know, talking about Winston uh, uh, and sort of his interceptions and, and, you know, sort of like he's been – you know, he's been awful at times, but he's been spectacularly awful. <laughs> you know, like he also makes all these great plays too. So if you could just get rid of the turnovers, you know, 
um, you know, he, he's a guy that, uh, that you can win a lot of games with and maybe even a Super Bowl. And I think, I think Young, having been a part of that um, and knowing the Tampa Bay history with, with, you know, kicking quarterbacks overboard maybe before it's too soon, um, you know, probably feels like they should stick with Jamison. And, and that's going to be a financial decision. It's going to be all the things that we've talked about, and we probably won't know for weeks and weeks. But, um, you know, certainly – uh, when you when you watch these games and you see these quarterbacks and you see the plays you have to make and you and you just say to yourself you know is this guy capable of winning a Super Bowl now the other thing is how do you play when the pressure's on you know um, is the moment too big for you and, and can you imagine uh, Jameis in that moment well he's won a national championship before so he's played big games so you just have to wait and see and I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking a lot about that uh, coming down these uh, these next few weeks. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. The Tampa Bay Lightning, though, they look pretty good. Not so much uh, their first first game on this road trip, but uh, certainly they they destroyed Winnipeg seven to one. If you'd have said Steve that they had this uh, what thirteen games in twenty days, they were going to win eleven of them. Not bad. Uh, not bad at all. Go eleven and two in twenty one days of thirteen games. I mean, you almost don't want the bye week and All Star break to come. I know right? they're on a roll. I mean, they really are. They looked a little road weary on Thursday night against Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, understandably so. Um, you, you almost you hate to see this break. Tom. I mean, if you remember last year, we talked several times. Mm-hmm. And they would come out of the breaks, whether it was the Christmas break, the All-Star break, their bye mm-hmm. weeks, their, their preseason, all that. They struggled the first few games out. Mm-hmm. And they were such a precision team last year mm-hmm. that, you know, that's when your passes aren't as crisp and your, you know, your breakouts aren't just perfect because you're just not in that rhythm. Now, this year, I think they're playing a little differently, and so hopefully they, they won't struggle coming out of that. But no hockey for another week now. It'll be a week from tonight. They'll be in Dallas to resume play after the All-Star game, which is this Saturday. But 11-2, and all of a sudden, you know, they went from fifth and sixth in the division to handily in second place. And, it, you know, it looks like the playoffs are, you don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but... I believe they can play 500, you know, hockey 500 the rest of the way and most likely make the playoffs with over 96 points. All right, so busy week, especially with All-Star Games. You mentioned the NHL All-Star Game is Saturday. The Pro Bowl, of course, is this week. I'll be headed over there on Wednesday. You're going to be there as well, so hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to some guys, Shaq Barrett among some others. Also going to have a mailbag. Uh, boy, those are popular uh, segments for us, and we really enjoy getting your questions. And you can send them in anytime because I know we're going to do it uh, if you want to have, if you have a question for us and you want to send it to us, just do that on Twitter at uh, SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So exciting week of uh, football! We've got the Super Bowl set here in a couple weeks. A lot of things going on. Keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We're here every Monday through Friday for Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great week, everybody. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.